Crane, Gas, Ben, the Deadly Three, penetrate the secret chambers of an evil island empire. What do you know about cinema? He lives like a king on season four. A podcast without shame. Spoiling, enter the dragon. Have you ever been to a martial arts tournament like this? That's the only film we have on it. We need emotional content. This is Diabolical, the comedy podcast where four long-suffering friends dissect films' most dastardly schemes, then try to improve them. I'm your host, Ben, and this week's martial arts masterpiece is none other than Bruce Lee's iconic Enter the Dragon. So forge your body in the fire of your will, and let's get diabolical. Diabolical crowd Listen to their jokes Hear them throw down Heads are nodding Peril pals exclaim Will it be Craig? Could it be Gaz? Can they be outdone? Can they be top? Which ones will laugh? Which ones will sing? But most important of all, which ones can scheme? Oh, who will win the diabolical dream? The diabolical Season four finale, yeah. Oh, very nice. Way too long. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bold rhyming structure. I wasn't sure I was following it the whole time. Also, I thought you said the most important thing, who of them can ski? So did I. Yeah, well, that is the most important <laughs> thing. So I laughed, and then I thought, oh, scheme. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the dojo of Diabolical Deeds and the grand finale of season four. As usual, I'm here with three deadly martial artists, otherwise known as a panel of peril. Please introduce yourselves and tell us your martial arts nickname. And we'll start with the reigning champion, the Cinemaster. Hello. For the last time, for now, this is the Cinemaster. And my martial arts name is... The Shaoling Whispering Eye. Very nice. Whispering Eye? Yes. <laughs> Where's that come from? <laughs> Is that a fart euphemism? No. <laughs> Close. It's probably about two inches to the front of a lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I thought maybe you'd get it straight away, but obviously you're not as cultured as I am. No. <laughs> Sorry. A man of culture, I see. Craig. Hi, it's Craig here, and my martial arts name is Ken Dojo Morris. Craig. Craig, Craig Dojo. <laughs> Craig Ken Dojo. No, Craig. 
Morris. <laughs> well, it was a it was a good effort. Thank you, Gaz. Yeah, Wait, it's, it's Mochi. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> Mochi. <laughs> because I'm soft on the inside, soft on the outside, and chewy. You bet. Get stuck in your teeth. You know exactly. It. <laughs> That's what the last thing you want in a fight, isn't it? Your opponent getting stuck in your teeth. Oh. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. Something that that may uh, surprise you. Mm. Every year in Japan, it won't surprise me. On New Year's Day, they show a. It looks like a weather map of Japan. There's a mm. few numbers over it, and you look at it, and you listen to what they're saying, and they're telling you how many people have died in mochi-related deaths on yeah. New Year's Day. Because <laughs> it's Christ. a common New Year. F- a common New Year food, but because it's so it's you know so sticky and yeah. kind of stringy, a lot of elderly people struggle with it and they choke to death on it. So it is, it is. they show the numbers every year. The annual old people cull of New Year. Yeah. Well, when <laughs> I went over for Ben Amina's wedding, you had that printed out and stuck up on your wall, and I was like, "What's this?" Well, it's just a reminder, yeah. <laughs> Lest we forget. Just to remember the fallen. <laughs> Gaz. Gaz here, and my martial arts name is Spin Kick Sladen. That's two prongs to that. One is because uh, I did a lot of spin kicks in a scheme in an episode. Don't remember which one, but there was a lot of spin kicks in the episode. JCVD in Expendables? Yeah, that'll be it. Oh, yeah, yeah. That was excellent. Sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah. And the second yeah, was... part is uh, my my surname Slade is quite commonly misspelled as Sladen, so Spin Kick Sladen. Yeah. Right. And my martial arts nickname, Peril Pals, is Noodle Fist of the Brown Wind, <laughs> because I have limp wrists and I fart a lot. <laughs> Coincidence? I think not. Later, we'll be battling out to see who can concoct the most diabolical scheme and earn those coveted peril points for our leaderboard. But first, let's high-kick our way into this week's movie. Released in 1973, Enter the Dragon is not just a film, it's a cultural phenomenon. It was the final movie completed by Bruce Lee before his tragic death and has become one of the most lucrative films of all time. Since release, it has grossed an estimated $2 billion, adjusted for inflation, worldwide, against a meager $850,000 budget, as well as launching Lee to posthumous superstardom and cementing his status as a martial arts legend. The plot? A martial artist goes undercover for British intelligence at a mysterious tournament to bring down vicious crime lord Han. But it's not just the plot, it's Lee's charisma, the film's innovative fight choreography, and its blend of Eastern and Western film styles that set it apart. To me, it's an essential piece of cinema that showcases the very best of an extraordinary talent. But does the panel agree? Gaz, after watching Enter the Dragon, did you feel like breaking boards, or were you just bored? Uh, I'd say I felt like breaking boards. Pulling the curtain back slightly, we do reveal to each other what films we're going to watch in advance. So I purchased the film a few weeks ago and I watched it straight away because I was pretty sure that I would enjoy it. And I did both times that I've watched it in the run-up to this podcast. It's got that kind of Hong Kong, slightly cheap 
yet simultaneously gorgeous aesthetic yeah with the in-camera zooms mm. slow-mo and bruce pulling funny faces and making funny noises as he does his martial arts <laughs> And like you said in your intro, a great international cast too. Uh, John Saxon being a particular favourite of mine. We mm. uh, saw him in Black Christmas a couple of weeks ago. Which mm. kind of blew me away, just a coincidence of it. <laughs> yeah, me too. I, I had seen Enter the Dragon late night on BBC Two quite a few times, but long, long ago. And obviously I had no memory of John Saxon being in it. So seeing him kicking ass legitimately in this blew my mind slightly. Because uh, I, I pretty yeah. much just know him from the Nightmare on Elm Street dad role. Yeah. Right. For some reason, he decided he didn't want to do any more martial arts movies. Yeah, strange. Who knows why? Because he seems like quite proficient. It is him doing it. I mean, how do you top end of a dragon? Mm. Yeah, true. It's a really good story. It's it's almost sort of James Bond-like, isn't it? He's sort of the secret agent yeah. sent in to, to gain intel. Uh, he's quite suave. He turns up for his meeting with Braithwaite in a suit. It's a lot of fun. And... One thing that I also really like, which a lot of films from the 70s, 80s, even 90s have, is when it ends, it ends. It's like bad guys impaled on a pole, on a revolving mirror. You get 10 more seconds with a couple of shots, boom, end. See ya. (laughs) I'm always a fan of that, personally. I really enjoyed it, and I'm probably going to watch it again soon, in fairness, and get on some of uh, Bruce Lee's other films, because I don't actually... Think I've seen anything else? Maybe the one with Chuck Norris I've seen, but I, I couldn't say what that is. Uh, that's Way of the head. Dragon, I think. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, really enjoyed it. So thank you for uh, selecting it. Oh, great, I'm glad to hear that. It's interesting because John Saxon's character Roper in the initial draft of the script was the hero, and oh. Bruce <laughs> Lee demanded changes to the script to make him the hero, and it was all about you know Asian representation, which this mm. film kind of broke down a lot of barriers in that way. Mm. All right. Craig, what did you think of the film? I thought it was pretty good. I veered between wanting to break boards and being bored, to go back to your earlier question. Okay. I think it doesn't get going like right away. And when it starts, it has these kind of, not issues, but the things that you kind of look at and feel like, is this going to be a quality experience? The the dub at the start particularly is fascinating bad <laughs> <laughs> the opening exchange between bruce lee and the old guy drags like absolute fuck i just couldn't wait for it to be over the theme tune then kicks in and it's amazing and then you're like okay yeah. here we go it's a great soundtrack and um there's a good montage of the goon at the start showing you that he's a formidable opponent but then like what you're saying about him being this kind of suave spy type character feels as if it comes out of nowhere Obviously, this film takes a lot of cues from Doctor No, like a lot. Yeah. But I was just thinking, what was going on here? Because he, he's called Lee, and I was like, is Bruce Lee, is he playing himself here? Just like a, a situation where this is like his idealized version of what he would do, like a Steven Seagal type, you know, I work for the fucking KGB or whatever the fuck Steven Seagal thinks he does in real life, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then... Initially, some of the fight scenes looked a bit stilted to me by modern standards. But then, as it went on, everything about it got better. And it didn't stop getting better. It just kept getting better till the end. Like, that mirror sequence. Yeah, that. Which then Bond went back and robbed from, I think. But Enter the Dragon does it better. It's incredible, that mirror Mm. sequence. It's great. Yeah. And as Gaz said, when it ended, I also just felt like, wow, 
but yeah, that's how a film should end. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, as I said, Bruce Lee demanded a lot of rewrites, and in fact, he ended up having mm. an argument with the screenwriter who was flown out to Hong Kong to be present on set, and demanded right. that the screenwriter uh, is Michael Michael Aylin or Orlin Michael Aylin. I'm not sure how you pronounce it. Bruce Lee demanded he be ejected from Hong Kong. <laughs> and what they ended up doing was just move him to a different hotel, but then eventually he did leave because wow. he was writing from a very white perspective. Yeah. Mm. Well, I think in spite of that, John Saxon gets to show off his charisma in you know with less to play with, instantly likable character, and really yeah. all the way through, I was just loving every second he was on screen. And the other guy as well, Williams. Williams, yeah, I thought he was great too. Really, kind of entertaining mix of. Not not hero type guys because they were all like shaggers and you know <laughs> blaggers, shaggers and blaggers. Yeah, a bit, a bit scoundrelly, weren't they? <laughs> not one of them was there for a, you know altruistic reasons. Even Lee was there for a vendetta, really. Mm. But they they were like one of those classic teams, like you know the, the Dirty Dozen or the Seven Samurai, where. Some of them are questionable why they're there, but then it turns out they're all great in the end. Yeah, so Jim <laughs> Kelly, who played Williams, that was his first ever role. You can believe that. What a guy, that guy. <laughs> yeah, Bags yeah. of charisma. Yeah, you can see that he's raw. And he's got a great throw. It's yeah. sad knowing that I'll never look that good. He was the coolest <laughs> cat in town. Oh, yeah. Cinemaster, what were your thoughts on the film? Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed it. Again, this is, this is one I haven't seen for probably 30 years because I remember it being one of the late night films we taped. I didn't have any memory of it whatsoever. So I agree with Craig. It started off a bit slow, but as soon as it got into its rhythm, it just started gathering pace. I thought the fights are going to be a bit dated by now, but no, I was like, you know, doing the oof, whoa, and then laughing as well at the fights and all that All that was coming like you would in any yeah. any film with loads of really complex fight sequences and things like that. It was just nonstop, really. Um, I loved... Han, I thought he was very much in like a, a Christopher Lee type baddie, the way he projected his voice and stuff like that. And he was just yeah. like a likable bad guy. You know what I mean? He was like, you're drawn to him and he had all the elements of being a real baddie, especially when towards the end, you see William strung up and you're like, holy shit. <laughs> uh, so that's pretty, yeah. even for, you know, now I was like, wow, that's quite, you know, that's a big trait of a, of a real bad guy. Yeah. And then there was Bruce Lee. And I just thought, what an absolute tragedy that he didn't live to see the 1980s and become the biggest action star there is, I think. Because mm, I yeah. I drew parallels with him and I thought, he's much like Schwarzenegger was at the start of his career. He, was, he wasn't the finished article, but you couldn't help go, Jesus Christ, yeah. this guy's got something. And I was just thinking the whole, whole way through it, because that hangs over the film, obviously it does. Yeah, and I just thought, what an absolute tragedy! We never, we never saw him with the likes of Stallone or Schwarzenegger, John Cole Van Damme, or Jackie Chan, or any of them. It would have been incredible. I've got to say, yeah, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed this film, and I, I shall be searching for it on Blu-ray and see if I can find it on for a reasonable price somewhere. I got it for about three quid on Blu-ray. Ooh, interesting parallel Schwarzenegger there, because you sense about Bruce Lee as well. Similar to Arnold, he's not purely physical. He's also like an incredibly savvy guy who understood mm, yeah. where to take his own career better than the studios did. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think you would have seen more of that from yeah. him 
yeah. you know, as his star was in the Ascendant. So I think you're right. Yeah. I think he would have been huge in the eighties. Oh yeah. So this film was released, I think, weeks after his death. He died at the age of thirty-two, and Mental. it was a this is they say it was a brain aneurysm. Mm. It was perhaps connected to a reaction to a painkiller. Mm. So it was a, a really sad and, and sudden death. Yeah. So not a ghost, like it says in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, then. Is it a phantom? <laughs> is that what that character's called? Yeah, something like that, yeah. In the purple armour. One of the things I'd say about the film is, at times it feels like it kind of is one of those films that was saved in the edit. But then there are other times, like Lee's chat with Mei Ling, where the editing is nauseating, like it's so <laughs> bad. Your sense of orientation is completely fucked. I doubt that's intentional. It seems like they did some reshoots and they didn't match them. But then other times, like when you get the establishing shot of the island and it's like full of people practicing like karate moves, that's the sense of scale on yeah. that. Yeah, for a yeah, budget of that size yeah. is yeah. astonishing. It is incredible. That yeah. Well, there'll be a little bit more on that later, but I'll I'll, I'll save that one for now. You have mentioned. Bruce Lee being savvy and, and understanding what his career needed. And that's mm. interesting because this film came about after, obviously, Bruce Lee had left America after he was in talks to star in what would eventually become the TV show Kung Fu starring David Carradine. Yeah. Mm. And he was part of the development and then he was shunned at the end because obviously he was Asian. Mm. And then he moved back to Hong Kong and I think in, in the space of two years made three movies, What Big Boss... Fist of Fury, uh, maybe Way of the Dragon as well. I might be getting those wrong, but he made about three movies in the space of two years. Yeah. And he became a huge star in Hong Kong. And that's mm. when the studios, who had kept in touch with him, said, right, we've got to make a movie with this guy. And they approached his film production studio, I think it was Raymond Chow Studios, and um, collaborated. And that's where it was. it became the first Hong Kong and Hollywood collaboration. Right. I mean, that is a hell of a legacy on its own. Yeah. Before I ask you for your highlights and favourite lines, we're going to have a little quiz I'm calling Game of Jeopardy. I have several categories for you containing questions related to Enter the Dragon. You'll each get a chance to pick a category and answer a question. The categories are... Extra, extra, read all about it. Ouch, that hurts. Ouch, that hurts again. <laughs> and all play. Cinemaster, pick a category. I'll have um, extra, extra, read all about it, please. All right. Well, as we mentioned earlier, the scenes on the island, you know, they look very large scale. And that's because they had over 400 extras. Some clearly more advanced in karate than others. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. battles that began as acting would often escalate into real life clashes. Oh, but why? <laughs> um, were they gang members that had been recruited to star in the film or something like that? And then they were sort of put in the same places together and then they just started kicking off. <laughs> exactly. So, oh, according yes. to director Robert Klaus, <laughs> the young men were members of rival Hong Kong gangs. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. And when he wasn't oh, needed man. elsewhere, Bruce Lee would hang out with these extras, many of whom decided to mock his supposed martial arts prowess. <laughs> and Lee would laugh most of these jabs off, but sometimes a particularly insulting extra would offer a real challenge and had to be taught a lesson. 
And so Klaus, <laughs> the director, said Bruce wouldn't move as their kicks would invariably fall short. But then he would lash out two or three times, not trying to kill the man, but trying to mark him. Yes. And he said he saw one fellow who didn't seem to have a mark on him after one exchange, but then he opened his mouth and just it was full of blood. <laughs> Good on him. I thought you were going to say his, his whole body separated in sections and he fell over in bits. Oh, yeah. His head slid <laughs> off his shoulders. Teeth fell out like rain. <laughs> All right, well, well done there, Cinemaster, for getting that right. Craig, would you like to pick a category? John, that hurts. Okay. <laughs> so Lee suffered his share of injuries while making Enter the Dragon. One such injury came during the fight with O'Hara, played by Bob Wall, where O'Hara breaks a bottle and uses it as a makeshift weapon. In one take, Lee pivoted his body and his right knuckles collided with the bottle. How many stitches did the resulting wound require? Uh... Well, it's either going to be so few that you'd be astonished, or so many that you'd be astonished. I'm going to say <laughs> 27. I'm afraid it was 12 stitches. Ooh. Apparently Hong Kong Studios, for some reason, didn't have sugar glass available, so Wall had to use real what? glass. <laughs> the scene was shot Christ. eight times. And each time, Lee told Wall to come at him as fast as he could. <laughs> Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah, it was bonkers, but showed his dedication to making something yeah. that, that really played on screen. You can oh, see yeah. in that shot, can't you, that he's properly like kicking his hand out the way, like the way his arm yeah. like buckles and goes all weird yeah. and bendy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, they were very big on the on the realism in the fight scenes. Yeah. Right, Gaz, pick a category. The one that isn't free play. Mm. <laughs> Ouch, that hurts again. That's yes, the one. one. <laughs> all right. So <laughs> Lee suffered his share of injuries while making Enter the Dragon. One of them was caused by an animal. Can you tell me what kind of animal it was? Oh, uh, think now. I don't remember any animals being in the film. Well, can I buzz in if, no. I, if he doesn't get it? That's all play when you can buzz, buzz in. Buzz, buzz. Well, I'm going to have a guess. I'm just going to give up. Let him have a guess. I'm going <laughs> to say a cockatoo pecked him on the eyeball and he was like, oh, sh- ah, my eyeball. Ah. <laughs> Is that it? Oh, you got it. All right, let's move on to the next section. <laughs> <laughs> it's good, but it's not the one. Cinemaster, you were uh, chiming in there. Yeah, uh, was it a cobra? It was oh, indeed. It was yes! the cobra that was used in Damn the scene right. where Lee's investigating the island after dark. <laughs> the snake was purchased from a local shop in Hong Kong, and the filmmakers had been told that it would be defanged. <laughs> and because it was a cobra, it was important that it, you know, it looked like a cobra with its kind of signature hood. And so Lee would slap it on the head between takes in order yeah. to agitate it. <laughs> and a few takes into shooting, the Cobra figured out what he was doing and bit Lee's hand, revealing oh. that it had not been defanged. But luckily, <laughs> luckily it had been depoisoned. You know, they took right. the venom sack out. Oh, yeah. Christ. He does yeah. that when he chucks it into the um, the radio room, doesn't he? He, he? he smacks it on the head a couple of times. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I thought he must have been bitten by that, surely. And then, then as soon as you said that, I thought it can't be any other animal apart from that, unless it was the cat. <laughs> unless it was a rogue cockatoo. Yeah, rogue cockatoo. Well, they, they are known for being, you know, um, rogues, so... Cinemaster, I believe you you like a cockatoo. Oh, 
Saucy. No, no. Right, time for the all play. You're all going to have a chance to guess. How many mirrors were used to construct the set for the showdown scene between Lee and Han? It's quite a few. I'm going to say eight. I think it's going to be small. You think eight mirrors? Okay. I'm going to say 27 mirrors. 72. Okay. Very conservative guesses. In fact, it was over 8,000 mirrors. Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Fair dues. And apparently the room was incredibly disorientating. Yeah, I bet. I'm not surprised. The actors and camera operators couldn't stay in the room for more than 15 minutes before they'd get sick and have to take a break. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. Have you ever been in a mirror maze? Yeah. Yes. Like the second I walked into one, I walked straight into a fucking mirror instantly. And yeah, yeah. Becky was pissing herself <laughs> laughing at me. Insane how quickly it disorientated me. <laughs> and so the cinematographer, Gil Hubbs, he said that they had to physically touch people to make sure they were talking to the real person. Jeez. Jesus he, like, they all walked into the mirrors. Even, even Bruce Lee walked into the mirrors, they said. It's making me feel dizzy just thinking about it. When I was watching it, I was thinking, this is a cut above The Man with the Golden Gun. Yeah. Well, it wasn't in the original script, that scene. It was added after they'd been, I think, to a restaurant that had a lot of mirrors and, and uh, they had a discussion saying, we've got to put something like this in the movie. And hmm. that's what they ended up doing. Struck by Inspirado. Yeah. I wonder where they got all the mirrors from then and how, how much the budget they, those mirrors swallowed up as well. 8,000 mirrors. Uh, well, you got Mirrors or Us. There was Mirrors, Mirrors, Mirrors. They're all down in the Mirror <laughs> District. <laughs> Right, let's move on now to our favourite moments. Craig, would you please kick us off? My favourite moment is when Roper's having that fight and uh, he wants to bet on himself, so he keeps waiting yeah. and checking to see if the odds are good. <laughs> Fucking great. Yeah. <laughs> and then just beats the shit out of the guy. Yeah, so just weird. like punches him right in the fucking stomach and the guy goes, yeah. oh! <laughs> so, <laughs> so funny. So good. I love the interaction between Williams and Roper because they're they're playing old Vietnam vets, aren't they? Right, yeah. And uh, I think they have a really nice relationship. It's great. Yeah. Right, Cinemaster. My favorite bit is where uh, Lee is negotiating through that courtyard and he's sort of moving behind the guy with the nunchuckers. And the guy comes out, doesn't he, straight away, and he does his thing around him, and he goes bong and hits the thing <laughs> straight away. He's like, oh, shit, I better not mess with these, sort of puts them away. And then Lee's sort of going <laughs> behind him as he's moving around all the way across to the to the door yeah. on the other side. It starts with a great bit yeah. of comedy, and then it's just showing Bruce Lee how he moves and everything. And I just thought it was a lovely, lovely, lovely sequence. Yeah. Yeah, very nice. Gaz, what was your favourite moment? We've had some of the big ones, the mirror sequence, obviously, but I've got quite a lot of uh, really small moments listed. And I think just rereading my notes just now, one of my favourites of the bunch is quite late on during probably the second round of tournament fighting. Lee comes out not wearing the same gi uniform as everybody else. Mm. (laughs) One of Hans Minions says, why are you not wearing uniform? And Lee doesn't say a word. He just stares at him with like murder eyes, and the guy just <laughs> yeah. like starts looking at the ground and just backs <laughs> off. <Yeah. laughs> it's so good. Yeah, <laughs> he knows not to uh, go any further with that one. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. Excellent. Craig, I know you mentioned the, the slow beginning, mm. but my favorite part or one of my favorite parts is from that where he's teaching the young student. Mm. That poor kid, he learns lessons the hard way. He gets slapped <laughs> yeah. on the head. Like the cobra. What yeah. does he tell him that he needs in his kicks? More emotion, emotional content. Yeah. More intensity. More intensity. (laughs) Not anger, but emotional content. Yeah. Just a a little side question, Gaz. Yeah. Have you ever wanted to ride someone's private junk? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I do most nights, if I'm being honest. Hey. (laughs) 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 All right. Let's move on to favorite lines. Cinemaster, what have you got for us? Well, mine comes from the guy I think who has the most best lines throughout, and it's um, Mr. Williams. And he just goes, uh, Bullshit, Mr. Hairman. <laughs> I just love That's it. my favorite line, too. I love oh, it. It's just great. I thought he was going to give him a, a fair dusting, but obviously he gets his ass handed to him, doesn't he? But poor bloke, I liked him a yeah, lot. Yeah, he underestimates the brass hand. Mm, mm-hmm. So obviously that character was put in because Bruce Lee understood the value of the the African-American audience. Mm. And so, you know, obviously he was put in as part of the, the wider theme of representation. He's a really strong character and, and he kind of tethers it to the 70s as well, in a way, because when he talks and stuff like that, it's, he's got mm. he's yeah. speaking with much like the, the language of the time, the slang of the time and things like that. And I, I really like that. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah, I thought his, his lines were delivered with a certain amount of panache. So, yeah, great. The fact that his first scene is him Battering two cops and stealing their car is great as well. Yeah. That was my second yeah, favorite yeah. scene. Yeah, yeah, I loved that. <laughs> you know, it was brave to show that as well at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But yeah, I I also kind of felt like Williams was uh, the the audience character. You know, the our our in into the the whole world, mm. which you know a, a trope in a lot of things, but it works really well in this, which mm. is probably yeah. why. It's, all the more shocking when he's when he's killed because we yeah. lose that kind of connection. Yeah, to yeah. It. Mm. it's a good description of it. Is shocking because I was like, yeah. he, he's probably all right the first time seeing him hanging yeah. up there, and then they just drop him, and I was like, oh. yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's in that water Definitely as well? Is it you know acid or is it just? Water? I think it's acid. Yeah, yeah. by the color oh, of it, it, it's supposed to be like a sulfuric sulfuric yeah. acid, isn't it? Yeah. Okay, I just mm. thought they were dropping him to drown him in, in a bath. Yeah. <laughs> I also kind of thought, is there going to be some sort of animal in there, like an alligator or even a shark? Yeah. That would have been the icing on the cake. A shark in that tiny pool. That would have been brilliant. Yeah. Just wedged. <laughs> Just a, it would be a dogfish. Yeah. <laughs> Nibbling away at him for several weeks. Yeah. Oh, oh he's eating me piece by piece. Uh, uh. Right, well, since you have the mic, Gaz, what was your favourite line? Uh, well, surprise, surprise, it's another Williams line. It's when the, the women are brought round everybody's room for them to select for yeah. a night of pleasure. <laughs> and he picks yeah. uh, four women, I think it is, yeah. uh, out of the lineup. And he says, please understand, if I missed anyone, it's been a big day. I'm a little tired. <laughs> 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 the riz on him. Yeah. Uh... And Craig, your favourite line, please. For me, this was a first time Bruce Lee which is crazy when you think about it. I mean, he's so steeped in our culture. You know, I've seen the, the Dragon of Bruce Lee story. I've seen countless other depictions of him. But yeah, it's the first time watching a, a film where he's the star. Um, and so my favourite was 
what I would consider like a, a quintessential, almost cliche Bruce Lee-ism, which is when he describes the art of fighting without fighting. I yeah. thought that's such mm-hmm. a Bruce Lee thing to say. And then, of course, the sequence it leads into is, is very clever as well. Yeah, so, uh, yeah that's like great. That. Yeah, and my my favorite line is a Bruce Lee line in the scene I mentioned earlier, where he's teaching the the young student. He says, "It's like a finger pointing away to the moon. Don't concentrate on the finger, or you'll miss all that heavenly glory." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love it. Love Just it. love the way he delivers it. Mm. Did anyone have a favorite fight sequence they'd like to share? I think we've covered some of them. The only one we haven't covered probably is the just Bruce Lee versus everyone fight close to the end. (laughs) So much going on in that. Brilliantly choreographed. That's uh, Bruce and John Saxon, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And then all the the captives get released, the black-suited captives against the white-suited baddies. Yeah. 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 An interesting inversion of the white hats and the black hats. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. I think it's, isn't it, kind of meant to be like kung fu versus karate kind of adherence, maybe. Mm. That's the impression I got from it. That's why I've thought about him, his reaction to being asked to wear the the karate uniform when he was wearing his kung fu kind of... uh... Mm. Right, okay. That's interesting. The other fight sequence uh, that I really like that's just from seeing it on late night BBC Two, God knows how many years ago, probably about 30 years ago, it's just burned into my brain, is the really muscly henchman just snapping people's backs, particularly oh, that yeah. last oh, yeah. guy that he like cradles and just crunches until his spine oh, breaks. Yeah. <laughs> that is just, it's so nasty. Yeah. yeah. And incidentally, on Blu-ray, this film is rated an 18, which I'm not quite yeah. sure how they came to that. There's two I... boobs in it. Yeah. Yeah. And they're not the same yeah. pair. <laughs> it's mostly side boob though, isn't it? Side boob, yeah. Bit of nipple. Um, no, there's a, I think there's a full frontal, quick full frontal shot. Is there? Well, you mentioned the fight choreography and in the script there were sections where rather than describe the action as it would happen, it just said fight to be choreographed by Bruce Lee. Nice. Mm. That's like the old Western script thing of the Indian's attack being um, yeah. put in for every action scene, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> ah, okay. I, I like the way Han at the end changed his hand into a block of kitchen <laughs> yeah. knives. Right at the end. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So silly. It was so stupid. I like his first brass hand. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) What I love about that last fight is that Han's hair, you know, he's so well coiffured all the way through. Mm. Yeah. And you see him kind of lose his cool and his... Yeah, uh, I really like that. Here's a little bit. um, Jack Cholton. And the enigmatic owner of a fortified island and the mastermind behind an international drug ring lures the finest fighters from across the globe to a martial arts tournament in hopes of recruiting them into his larger scheme to consolidate power and extend his criminal activities. He is ruthless and cunning, employing surveillance, deception and brute force to maintain control and will stop at nothing to eliminate threats to his empire, engaging in a deadly game of cat and mouse with anyone who dares uncover his sinister operations. Gaz, what did you think of Han's plan? Um, I don't think it's great. I know you've given sort of all the, all the setup 
in your intro there, but when he tries to recruit Roper, to me, it just feels like it comes completely out of the blue, particularly that he's targeting Roper. I guess scripting-wise, it's just to get that shock and that emotional hit from what's happened to Williams. But it never, until that point, feels that that's his intention to recruit like a new bodyguard or whatever the specifics of what he's trying to achieve there are. Yeah, I think he mentions that he wants Roper to be his American representative. Mm. Ah, yeah, he does. Yeah. 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 And I think they, they try and build it up with obviously showing Roper's in debt. So mm, that's yeah. how they lay, I think they lay the groundwork there. I understand it does feel like it comes a little out of nowhere. Yeah, it's just like, oh, right, okay. The first time I watched it, I did, did not see that coming and not not in a, a big twist kind of way and just a, huh, that's what you were doing. <laughs> <laughs> so in that regard, not one of my favourite plans. Feels like up until that point, he's just he just wants to kill everybody to train his actual recruits in Mortal Kombat because he's Shang Tsung, right. isn't he, basically? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Bison. <laughs> Craig, what did you think of Han's plan? I agree with Gaz. I think uh, a tournament is just not a reliable way to recruit people into your cult. You need to recruit people who are going to be kind of blindly following your cause. If you keep open to any kind of Tom, Dick, and Harry who can come in, eventually you're going to end up with three guys who come in who only really care about Crumpet and don't want to <laughs> join your shitty army. <laughs> What about you, Cinemaster? Yeah, I think Craig made a valid point there. Uh, I think most of the guys he's already recruited uh, are just in it for the ass that he brings them, isn't he? Because he's got a lot of women there mm. drugged up um, and they're clearly chasing tail throughout and they're not very loyal. As we see, O'Hara not bothered. He just he does what he wants. So I think he's he does the classic villain thing of being complacent and also being egotistical. Um, that he thinks he can't be touched because he's got all these baddies surrounding him and he's got all this power and training himself. But he doesn't think that Bruce is going to turn up, for one, but then he doesn't think he's going to turn up with somebody he can team up with. And ultimately, that's his undoing, isn't it? Yeah, I'd have to agree. I mean, he's invited those people. Like They're obviously mm. handpicked, which is very interesting, but he hasn't taken the time to investigate the kind of people they are. Maybe he yeah. saw Roper's debt and thought he had a, a nailed-on success there. But, yeah, I don't think he's planned it very well. And so I'm giving him three florets Ooh. of that lovely Chinese takeout broccoli. Jaylan. <laughs> so good. Mm. But unfortunately, yes. because of Han's lack of planning, there's not enough to go around. So one of us will have to go <laughs> oh, without yeah. a floret. Oh, <laughs> oh man. Before we leap into our final battle, we have a quick favour to ask. If you're enjoying our diabolical banter, please take a moment to hit subscribe and leave us a five-star review on your listening platform of choice, but especially Apple. Your support helps us continue our quest for cinematic mastery without having to embark on dangerous undercover missions in mysterious island fortresses. Now it's time for the real showdown where we compete to see who can concoct the most cunning scheme to earn those most illustrious peril points for our diabolical leaderboard. And remember, the season four crown is at stake. 
You guys must be feeling pretty nervous, eh? I've won before. Take it or leave it. God, <laughs> you, you must have butterflies doing backflips in your stomach right now. Uh, not, not particularly bothered, to be honest. <laughs> It'd be nice to win, but I'm not asked if I don't. I think it's been evident throughout from season one that you're not asked about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Han tried to recruit Lee into his criminal enterprise, but instead saw his empire crumble at his feet. Cinemaster, what would you have done differently? Han knows Lee has beef with him. He can read it in his body language. Han is a confident man. He has a particular set of skills, so he asks Lee plainly. Lee, have you got sand in your vagina or something? What's with the attitude? (laughs) Says Han. (laughs) Lee explains that he knows Han is responsible for the death of his sister and that he is here for revenge. Han doesn't react. He has had a lot of people killed and his henchmen sometimes goes too far. Lee says... His dad and his sister were chased by a henchman who looked a bit like Pat Roach, even though Pat Roach was yet to become famous as the archetypal gigantic villain in any film that required one. His name, though, was bizarrely already being used to describe that role. As if beaming an image of Pat Roach into the head via telepathy, Han immediately clicks his fingers in recognition of the description. Oh! You mean O'Hara? Well, as you witnessed before, he kind of does that own thing of his. What can I say? Sometimes good, sometimes bad. But what happened to your sister? Terrible tragedy, that. But now you've killed O'Hara and got your revenge, yes? I certainly won't mourn for him, says Han. Lee cannot deny the logic of that. He also thinks that Han is actually all right. He's smiling all the time, has loads of attractive women in following everywhere, and owns his own island. Nobody rich and powerful has ever exploited anyone for their own personal gain, gratification or otherwise, ever. Ever! And they never will. As Han extends his hand for Lee to shake, Lee tells him that he thinks the Han has an undeserved bad rep and that Lee would happily be his new head of communications and immediately kill anyone who disagrees with him and his own estimation of Han. With that in mind, Lee boards a hovercraft, powered by the sense of his own self-satisfaction, and heads back to Hong Kong to brew with his dad and explain what a silly sausage his dad has been. All right. Would you say in a nutshell, the plan is you convince Lee that he's already had revenge by killing O'Hara, and also you entice him with the women... Uh, and so he agrees to become head of communications. Correct. Well, my only issue with that is, I think Bruce Lee in In and the Dragon is a timid, mm-hmm. frigid little virgin. He doesn't want all these tits that are around him. You, yeah, you might be right. Yeah, <laughs> I don't offer any resistance to that. Fair enough. Doesn't kill your plan, to be honest, does it? <laughs> <laughs> no. I've just had a ghastly thought of Bruce Lee's making love face based on some of the faces that he pulls in slow-mo in this, snapping spines and that. When his own little baby spine snaps, his, his own little oh. Bruce Lee rod. <laughs> oh, Christ. Christ. 
<laughs> I suppose my issue with it, with the plan, Cinemaster, is that mm-hmm. Lee is also defending the honour of the Shaolin Temple. Yeah. Because mm. Han has yeah Han has disgraced the Shaolin monks. Yeah. yeah. Any right. further questions for the Cinemaster? I don't think so. No. I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Well, let us move on to Craig's dastardly scheme. You've got to hand it to Han. He's not playing the hand he was dealt. From the look <laughs> of his private island, it seems he's making money hand over fist. <laughs> you might thumb your nose at his criminal activities, but oh, if goodness. I had to put my finger on the secret of his success, I'd have to say it's his ability to adapt the way a multifunction tool adapts. Too badly can't be palmed off with money, women or cool prostheses. He'll never let his quest for vengeance slip from his grasp. So, he must be killed. A wave of goons lures Lee into a stone chamber with steel doors on all sides. Above, Han has a perfect view of his quarry. With a twist at the wrist, he detaches his main doll hand, and with a satisfying <laughs> clunk click, it is replaced by a hand full of massive dicks. <laughs> Han waves the dicks in Lee's face, the fucking virgin, and tries to choke <laughs> Lee with them. But Lee is smart and strong, and so he tries to climb one of the dicks by throating it. He swallows the length like a duck with a baguette, inching up the shaft, closing in on his enemy. Sly old Han quickly ditches the dick hand, and Lee tumbles to the ground, choking. Now it's time for Han's real secret weapon. Another knife hand, except this one has, like, really long knives that reach all the way into the pit. The dazed Lee tries to climb once more and is cut to ribbons. As he slides off, Han gives him a few hundred quick stabs until all his blood is out, (laughs) just to make sure. <laughs> okay. So, an Asian homoerotic fantasy. I suppose, if you're into that yeah. sort of thing. I'm not judging. Yeah. It seems like you are. <laughs> yeah, you are. <laughs> it's only the second spoke- plan I've done that involves dicks <laughs> this season. <laughs> how how big are the how big are the dildos on the on Thingy's hand? Oh, uh, big, <laughs> big, bigger than you could imagine. <laughs> <laughs> I want your biggest dildo. I think, no, that's I think too big. You can imagine quite a lot. Yeah, there you go. Ben got it. He got my Star Wars reference. Uh... <laughs> Have you ever seen the episode of South Park where Mr. Garrison invents the it? Yeah. Yes. The, the mode of transport. And it turns yeah. out that the, the cock at the bum and the mouth isn't necessary. Yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you can just use a control panel. I posit instead. that the dildos aren't necessary in this plan. No, you're right. You have... Yeah. <laughs> You're right. The real secret weapon is the massive knife hand. Exactly. But try and stretch that out. <laughs> I have to put some steak in with the sizzle, you know what I mean? Well, thank you for your candor. <laughs> but what you're forgetting is Lee is he's a dexterous fellow and mm. his efforts to climb the dildos using only the power of his throat and then fall into the floor and, and take in the full damage, it does make him ah, an okay. easier target for the massive knife hand. Fair enough, yeah. 
I reckon his throat muscles have got a six pack. Definitely. <laughs> like, oh, it, it, like, a, like a sarlacc, just, just like writhing. <laughs> All right. Any further questions for Craig? Everyone's going to be checking the, the Kung Fu doll man now to see if it has a dick. <laughs> All right. Then, Gaz, would you be so kind as to share your crafty concoction? I shall. I haven't read it back, so there's a chance it won't oh, make shit. any sense. But chance. <laughs> that's all right. We've already had my son, so it's this fine. This is going to win me a, a fancy nickname. <laughs> You're taking an awfully slapdash approach to this, considering you could win your first ever yeah. title. Well, if it makes sense, like I imagine it makes sense in my head, then let me tell you, it's a winner. But it might not make sense. <laughs> 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 As a rogue Shaolin warlord, Han wants to recruit the best of 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 the best to his fledgling criminal empire with the explicit aim of becoming the best of the best of the best of criminal empires. That means he needs to recruit Lee, naturally. Any fighter who doesn't get hit even once during the course of a pretty strong field of chop socky tawny must be considered the best of the best of the best of the best <laughs> of the best. In order to woo him over to the dark side of the law fence, Han firstly must negotiate the thorny issue of his bodyguard causing the death of Lee's beloved sister. Well, that one's simple. He can dress up one of the many other girls in his harem as Lee's sister and have her play the part. It's been at least three years since they've seen one another, and so Lee's memory <laughs> is definitely hazy, definitely, as to his sister's facial features. Problem one solved. The next <laughs> obstacle comes in the form of Lee being a bit of a flipping goody two-shoes. The way to get around a man's moral compass is, of course, with emotional content. Han has heard many a tale of Lee's demands for his pupils to bring the core of their own feelings to combat, art, and life as a holistic pursuit. In that spirit, Han invests heavily in a 1970s 8mm home video camera version of popular internet channel The Dodo. He beams short (laughs) films into Lee's room showing poor, traumatised stray dogs being nursed back to health. Baby otters being socialised with slightly older otters, and cats being taught how to groom themselves after their mothers have passed away. You don't get much more emotional content than that, and there is a little sting inserted at the end of each piece which sees Han frolicking with an animal, replete with a squeaky toy false hand attachment, and duly noting that the whole enterprise has been funded by Han Incorporated. By the time Lee infiltrates the Han Incorporated power station, he is metaphorically fattened up for the metaphorical kill. Han pleads his case for Lee to join the dark side, and he is powerless to resist due to all of the emotional content. His philosophy has hoist him by his own petard. So essentially brainwashing him? Is that the main crux of the plan? Uh, I guess. Because I, I actually watch quite a lot of Dodo videos on uh, Facebook. Mm, me too. And w- once you start, you can't stop. And I imagine by this point, if like it, it started putting messages 
on the end, like um, <laughs> kill, kill your next door neighbor, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I should. <laughs> <laughs> and so Lee would be introduced to his sister, who he assumed was dead. Yeah. Starts talking about memories past. Mm-hmm. What happens next? Um, she'll blush and giggle and she'll say, oh, you know, and things like that. Just brush brush things away <laughs> like, oh, yeah, those were the days. Um, <laughs> oh, gee whiz. <laughs> and, oh, shucks. <laughs> what if he cottons onto this, as people hmm. often do in these situations, and he says something to catch you out, like, do you remember when we were kids and oh, you fell into that pit of dogs and you ate the dogs and and she goes, oh yeah, those were the days. And he goes, oh, well, that didn't happen, actually. What then? She would say, oh, well, I've, I've had a hit on the head, actually. And so it's wiped yeah. out some memories and inserted some false memories, as happens <laughs> when one takes a blow to the head. <laughs> He's not a doctor, is he? So I can't see him arguing his way out of that one. Mm. He can consult mm. with Hans' special Evil Island doctors. Right. They'll back her up. All those drug-addled women on the mm. island, none of them seem to display the mental dexterity to be able to wiggle their way out of those kind of situations. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. Maybe he'll give this particular one some uppers. So it'll give this one speed instead of, uh, what is it, heroin that he's given the rest. So this one will be yeah. on speed. She's still hooked, but Bubbling she's very alert, heroin. very alert, hyper alert. Maybe he goes like, remember when we were kids and we went to Paris and you almost got run over by that gorilla on a unicycle? And she's like, <laughs> oh yeah, those were the days. And he goes, ha, well that's where you're wrong because that never happened. And she just goes, oh, well actually... I'm on so many fucking drugs since I got to this island. You can tell me anything happened when we were kids and I, I believe you. Ah, that's quite a good idea. You shouldn't be giving Gaz that because you're supporting his plan. And you guys are deadly rivals. I can't fight my own instincts to improve other people's plans, though. <laughs> and it's, to, and it's to your credit. All right. If there are no further questions for Gaz, I will bring us home. Han invites Lee to a dinner unlike any other, in the heart of his mazy island fortress, the Mirror Room. As Lee is led in by a handsome companion, the room shimmers with a thousand reflections. Han sits at the centre wearing dark glasses, a serene smile playing on his lips. The table is set for two, the candles flickering in the endless mirrors. Welcome, Mr Lee. I'm delighted you could join me, says Han. Please forgive my glasses. Uh, my eyes aren't what they once were. Over exotic delicacies, Han spins tales of power and persuasion, his voice as smooth as silk. The mirrors, disorienting and nauseating, seem to warp reality itself. Join me, Lee, says Han finally. Together, our power would be irresistible. Refuse and, well, ha, ha. As tension coils like a greasy serpent, the room seems to spin around Lee. 
his stomach churns like an angry butter. As Lee's face begins to pale, a new reflection appears. Chuck Norris. <laughs> Han's newest henchman steps out from the mirrors, his presence imposing and inexplicably sensual. <laughs> you should have accepted that offer, Lee, he says. The room erupts into a ballet of fists and kicks. Norris and Lee locked in a fierce duel. Each strike is reflected a hundredfold, creating a mesmerising kaleidoscopic battle. With Lee's usual impeccable poise and balance affected by the mirror room, Norris's strikes land more and more frequently. Han, unaffected by the disorientating room, thanks to his snazzy shades, chips in a few well-timed rabbit punches with his brass hand. As the fight crescendos, Norris whips out his signature move, a spinning backheel kick that connects with Lee's temple, knocking him unconscious. When Lee wakes up, he's already dead. He's a spirit floating about a bit. He sees his earthly remains hanging above the acid pool, just like William's. And below, Han is laughing the kind of laugh that only people who know they are free to continue to build their criminal empires can laugh. Chuck Norris is sat on a stool whittling wood into some mini nunchuck for his new pet lemur. What, is that at the end? Is that, it? that is the end, yeah. <laughs> That's such a weird ending. <laughs> I was going to say, I was expecting it. <laughs> What's the name of his pet lemur? What pet lemur? Why has he got oh. pet lemur? <laughs> just, just happened, he got a pet lemur. As a thank you from Han. Spur of the moment thing. What's the lemur's name? Um, Lenny, Leonard. No, he called him Mini Lee. <laughs> in, in, in a tribute to the fallen, because he's quite an honourable man, Chuck Norris. I yeah. thought you were going to say in tribute to Austin Powers. <laughs> <laughs> so it's basically disorientate him in the mirror room and get Chuck Norris to batter him. Yeah, because mm. Chuck Norris is a hard guy anyway, and one yeah. of Lee, Bruce Lee's closest battles in previous films. Yeah. So. Mm. I think Chuck Norris would have the edge over him if Lee had been in the room for like 15 minutes and was starting to feel sick. Mm. Is this a character being portrayed by Chuck Norris or Chuck Norris himself? No, Chuck Norris has just been brought in, yeah. Okay, and what's he wearing? A uh, cowboy hat. Okay, anything else? <laughs> just, just no. Just cowboy hat. No. To further, further make him feel hat. nauseous. Just a, just a cowboy hat. Then I put it to you that he too should be disorientated by the mirrors. Uh, but he he had this visor on his cap down over his eyes until the moment he stepped out. <laughs> what cap? He said he was wearing a cowboy hat. Cowboy hat. Yeah, the, that's what I mean. The, the cowboy hat. Yeah, so he had the, the visor of his cowboy hat. Oh, the just visor on a cowboy hat. Yeah, yeah. The, the brim. Just over his eyes. Brim. Oh, the brim. Okay. The brim. Yeah. The brim. I yeah. thought you were suggesting that this was a cowboy hat with some kind of cool fucking pull down glass visor. Ah, <laughs> oh, that'd be excellent. Just the brim of the hat pulled over his eyes. Han had the, the cool shades. Bruce mm. Lee was. Had naked eyeballs. <laughs> to, to quote a great man, you felt aw- awfully queasy, listeners. Oh, we felt queasy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Lee's already beaten Chuck Norris once. But is is that? And Chuck Norris wants revenge. Okay. What are they having for dinner? Okay. <laughs> oh, exotic delicacies. Ooh, that sounds good. <laughs> what, like what? How exotic? Ooh, scorpion. I reckon uh, real exotic stuff. I reckon yeah. uh, space raiders. And uh, Smash. Yeah. So it sounds like Scorpions, Space Raiders, Smash, probably foods that Bruce Lee has never seen before. I reckon he's not going to be looking around at the mirrors in the candle. He's going to be squarely looking at his food going, 
Yeah. What the fuck is this? Like poking holes what, in the smash. What is this food of the future? The Shaolin monks love a bit of smash. Yeah. Don't they also love a bit of discipline? I think he just closes his eyes or something. Nah, nah. It's they... it's rude to dishonor your you know your uh, your host. Mm. He knows that. Mm. 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 Interesting. Mm. All right. Well, after substantial cogitation, mm-hmm. I can confirm that those schemes were absolutely diabolical. Now it's time to vote for our favourite. As a reminder, we had Adam... Ooh, not Adam. Sorry, you lovely-looking gentleman. <laughs> for the last time, yes. We had the Cinemasters. Woo! <laughs> we had the Cinemasters Revenge Ruse. We had Craig's Deep Throat Deep Cover. <laughs> <laughs> nice. We had Gaz's Emotional Manipulation. And my own Reflections of Deception. Remember, each vote is worth exactly one point for the diabolical leaderboard. No more, come on guys, but But certainly certainly no less. less. This really is becoming one of the great catchphrases. I love it. I'd chant along with it at Wembley Stadium. I really would. All right. It's a big vote, gentlemen. Cinemaster as our reigning champion. Would you reveal who you have voted for? I, our two contenders have lost out to the superior plan this week, I feel. And so I have voted for Ben. Ooh. I'll take that. And Ben, who have you voted for? (laughs) I felt a lot of pressure this week. A lot of pressure. And as much as I like the idea of Lee throwing his way up some dildos, (laughs) <laughs> I've gone with the plan that that uh, quoted a concept from the film, which is emotional content. I voted for Gaz. Yes, that was good use of emotional content. I gotta say, yes, neatly tied in there, wasn't it? Yeah. So, Gaz, who have you voted for? Well, I have also gone for the person whom I thought made the best plan. Makes sense. Which was. The mirror room plan from yes. Ben. Oh. Oh, look at him clawing his way back up the Oof. shit right to nowhere. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late and now. Craig, who have you voted for? Well, you know, I'm not as au fait as the rest of you with the powers of Chip Norris, but I did like the idea of the disorientation. Not as much as I like dodo films. Oh. So oh wow! I also really like the idea that he would have a squeaky hand, squeaky Ooh. toy version of his hand, which yeah, completely that's... tied into the. Right away, I thought I've got to do something with his hand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's ripe for parody. So, Gaz, what has that done? To the diabolical leaderboard. Tell us the season four final standings, please. Well, now, creaming the competition and creaming his pants is myself, as I have won the season (laughs) with 24 (laughs) points. Congratulations. Congratulations. What's great is that you've made the rest of the scores an anticlimax by giving out the winner first. 
good, good job. Ocean <laughs> ideas. Yeah, ocean ocean. <laughs> yeah maybe, maybe do it in reverse. Yeah. <laughs> well, I normally do it in reverse. I can't remember. Is that what we normally no, do? But this is the finale. No, it's the finale. So <laughs> no, I mean, in the finale, do we normally go in reverse? Yeah, surely. Uh, surely we I can't must. No, we should do. Remember. It does make sense. Uh. <laughs> go on, put a okay. bit of tension in there, Felissa. Let, let's start again. So, Gaz, what has that done? to the Diabolical Leaderboard. Please share with us the Season 4 final standings. What the final standings are. Bringing up the rear for the entire season. But ending with a respectable (laughs) score of 16 points is Ben. Thank you, thank you. In third place with 18 points is outgoing champion, the Cinemaster. Congratulations, it was a hard-fought season. It was. Your moniker shall be fondly remembered and lamented, mm-hmm. but your presence shall remain <laughs> uncelebrated. I am going to get uh, Galadriel to sing me a song later. <laughs> In second place, with 22 points, is our Craig. Oh, nice. And creaming the competition and creaming his pants with 24 <laughs> points <laughs> and taking the season is myself. Wow. Congratulations. It was a great battle Bravo. between Craig and Gaz at the end. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Very yeah, well done. You. It came came down to the last episode again. Two seasons in a row came down to the... Yeah. Well, no. Is it three? Well, yeah, two seasons in a row and the third season's come down to the last episode. Yeah, it was only the season where I won where it was a foregone conclusion for like the last six or seven years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As, you, as you kept reminding yeah. us. Yeah, thanks. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for reminding us how pathetic we all are. <laughs> so, Peril Pals, we have a new champion. Gaz, would you please reveal the name by which you will be known for the entirety of season five? Anybody want to guess what it is before he tells us? God no, I couldn't couldn't guess. I'm going to say Bridezilla. Bridezilla. I'm going to guess. <laughs> I'm going to guess. The Wanking Claw. <laughs> I am the Wanking Claw. Yes. <laughs> uh, Bruce Campbell's left gonad. <laughs> I am Bruce Campbell's left gonad. <laughs> I'm your host, Bruce Campbell's left going. Are you getting bored of this yet, listeners? <laughs> oh, they'll be getting bored of the name that I've chosen, let me tell you. <laughs> because for the duration of season five, I shall be referred Christ. to only as the best, the best, the best. <laughs> oh, oh you bastard! The best, the best, the best. I forgot that was the other thing about the the plan that I liked. The best of the yeah, best yeah. of the best. <laughs> uh, well, the best of the best of the best. As next week's host, you have the honour of choosing how we spend our finite free time. Mark the occasion with a solemn chant, and tell us. What will we be watching? Well, to open a brand new season, season five, we're going to be travelling through time and space back to 1965 to watch <gasps> Doctor Who and the Daleks. Jesus. Do, do, do. 
I have a feeling due to some kind of copyright laws that it won't have that theme tune on it. Yes. <laughs> I have a funny little feeling. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a wrap for episode 80 and season four. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. And please leave us a review. For you, it's as simple as pressing a few buttons. But for us, it's as powerful as a perfectly executed roundhouse kick. So show us some love and we promise to keep the movie classics and the laughs coming your way. <laughs> for more martial arts madness, follow us at DiabolicalPod on all the social medias. Join us next time when we'll be diving into the wacky world of Doctor Who. And remember, don't think, feel. I forgot to say uh, during the, the episode then, there's a bit in the film that answered a long burning question for me. And it's the bit where on the, when they're on the junk and, and Parsons turns to Bruce Lee and goes, what's your style? Like that. <laughs> and I was like, that's why in the South Park episode with Mark Zuckerberg, he says style. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. where yeah. it's fucking come from. And I was like, finally, I know. <laughs> Dialysis king of Cheyenne, Wyoming. <laughs> Puff the magic dragon. He lives by the sea. He oh, is a big him. fat dragon and he comes from Hanoli. Puff the magic dragon. He is a dragon, you see. He's called Puff, and he's a dragon. He's a dragon, you see. <laughs> That's Puff the Magic Dragon. That's the only dragon-based song I can think of. Uh, how about, about everybody uh, was kung Albie. fu fighting? I think we did that Those for another movie. fast as lightning. Yeah. Hoo. Hoo cha. But it yeah, was a little did. bit frightening. Um, did we do it for um, might have been Crouching Tiger. Tiger, yeah, 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 in the marmalade yeah. forest between the make believe trees in a cottage, Alfie, cottage. <laughs> the racist, racist dragon. Space Raiders. I used to love the pickled onion ones, but the beef ones, when you could find them, ooh. Oh, yeah. Ooh. Oh, yeah. They Real were good. an exotic delicacy. Oh, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Beef Hula Hoops, Beef Monster Munch, Beef Space Raiders, and Roysters. They're all crack. Roysters. Yeah, they, they're not around anymore, are they? Are they not? No, no I haven't seen them for many years. I bought some Roysters from Iceland, like, a year ago. <laughs> Try Iceland. You won't be disappointed. Okay. Listeners. Okay. And in Iceland, if you're looking to sponsor 
a podcast. I think our, yeah, nothing our, to do with food. Our yeah. core values no. align with your own. That's what I'm saying. No, no <laughs> I found their frozen products to be subpar. <laughs> well, thanks for losing our Delete fucking sponsor that. already. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you say, I find their frozen products to be subpar when that's like their yeah. 80% of their business. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. A company called Iceland. <laughs> yeah. 